a letter for me? Let's see here, what's it say? Hmm. Please find enclosed, yada yada yada, etc. etc. You're dumb and stupid and your opinions suck. Huh. Didn't realize YouTube comments sent mail nowadays. This is my first time playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, just like it was with Unity. I'm gonna start off by <coughs> by asking you a question. Sorry, I, I pulled a really long shift to get this game done, and actually I pulled two really long shifts to get this game done in a manner that accommodated the schedule, so I'm a little bit... <sighs> so please forgive me. It's okay, I got the adrenaline high going right now, so I'm okay. For another hour or so. Did you like this game? Did you have any strong memories of this game? Does it... Where does it sit in your overall memory? Not, not like quality, but just where does it sit in your memory with regards to the AC series? You can go ahead and pause or answer, but I'm not going to come back to why I'm going to... I asked that for a bit, so if you don't want to pause, you don't have to. I am legitimately curious, though. I played this game immediately following Assassin's Creed Unity. Now, the reason that's relevant is this is something that I personally find great value in, but it still has its own detriment. That is, when you play something immediately following something else of the same franchise. Now, I could use several examples of this. Once upon a time, I played Final Fantasy 1, and immediately went to Final Fantasy 6. Hell of a jump. Sometimes, I'll go through games, and I'll be like, wow, you know, I never realized such and such before, because I never actually compared it so directly and immediately, the contrast, the direct contrast before. Now, funnily enough, this has actually already happened with Assassin's Creed before. Some of you may remember, we did an Assassin's Creed lore run once upon a time. Big ol' lore run, which was... Uh, two Brotherhood, two Brotherhood Rev three, Rogue four. Uh, I think that's it. Actually, it was it was a big old run. I feel like I'm missing a game in there somewhere. But anyways, after doing that whole run, we've also streamed Origins and Odyssey. After doing that whole run, my opinions changed a little bit on several aspects of the games. If you had asked me prior to that run, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second there. If you'd asked me prior to that run. What's your favorite AC games? I would give the answers that are most typical. AC4, AC2. If I asked you right now what's your favorite AC games, I'd bet money that at least some of you out there would answer either AC4 or AC2. After going back through that lore run, that answer changed. And I want to explain this succinctly. I want to really get this idea across here. Because going through AC2, I was enjoying myself. It was fun, it was interesting, there was a lot to talk about. But... I just kind of found myself automatically mentally adjusting for the problems the game had. Then I picked up Brotherhood, and it was this immediate contrast. Like, oh my god, this plays so differently. And then I went to Revelations, it's like, oh my god, this is so much better. And it was just strange to see that immediate contrast. Because we're adaptable creatures, that's kind of what we do, right? And so I just sort of slid in there and kind of accepted it. And I have a feeling a lot of people do this because I have people tell me all the time that they do exactly this, that we just kind of accept or adapt to or barely even notice the jank or problems or difficulties or issues or other is other negatives that exist within the games that we like because, after all, there's parts of it that we do like. Net positive. I use that phrase for a very good reason. And it explains this exact concept, you know, that we look at this and we take away from it the best, and we kind of live with the others. We just kind of adapt to it, right? 
But if I hadn't had that exact contrast, I might not have ever realized that about AC2, and I might not have dropped so far down on my list of preferences. Similar situation here. Walking into Syndicate was like a breath of fresh air after Unity. Oh my gosh. It was night and day. Which brings me to my next question. Do you like chocolate chip cookies? Now, this is going to be a bit of a topic, so I hope you'll forgive me for indulging here. But I like chocolate chip cookies. They're good. They're also normal. Boring, bland, disinteresting, right? It's just a cookie with chocolate chips in it. That's it. That's all it is. Very, very vanilla if you'll forgive the <laughs> mixing of metaphors. Now, is there anything wrong with enjoying that chocolate chip cookie, especially if it's a good chocolate chip cookie? Not really. Let's say someone else tries to make a cookie which is um, not as successful in its attempt. It's a cookie that uh, is kind of problematic, and it's got some weird bits, and there's a hair over there, and there's this bit where you just kind of hit something solid. You're not sure what that is. You ended up spitting it out. But it was trying something new, trying to be a different type of cookie. Maybe it was trying to have filling, or maybe it was trying to uh, add a whole new flavor palette to you, or something, right? Because the weird cookie is Unity, and the chocolate cookie is Syndicate. Unity tried several things, and it tried to push several boundaries. And in my opinion, it failed hard. I was pretty down on that game, and I stand by it. But I could see why people would prefer Unity over Syndicate, since it did try things, and it did have several new, key, interesting features. Whereas Syndicate, well, Syndicate plays it safe. Syndicate is probably the most generic Assassin's Creed game I have ever played. If you were to just look, zoom out the camera, look at all the AC series, Syndicate is just is, is dead center. It doesn't really try anything that is unique to itself with two exceptions only two one is the grapple mechanic of course because we're now playing batman apparently and the other one is the uh the the fact that we have two protagonists and frankly they only use that to good effect twice in the entire game counting the dlcs twice they decide to actually use that if we don't count the dlcs it's only once and that's the problem. Those two missions that I just kind of casually referenced are some of the best missions in the whole game. You do part of the mission as one player, and you do part of the mission as the other player. If they had really taken that and ran with that, that would have been amazing. If they had decided to make a thing where the two characters played substantially different, that would have been amazing. Imagine if she couldn't really handle combat. Maybe she has more escape options. Maybe she has the smoke bombs and the grapple escape away thing. Or maybe she has... Um, or she could just die, I suppose. You know, it's basically, she's not supposed to fight. And her fighting style, maybe it's just straight up Altair. You have to parry at the right time in order to be able to counterattack, something like that. But also imagine that she can do ranged assassinations, ranged instant kills. Or maybe she can, she can assassinate someone next to someone else and it produces so little sound that even the person right next to them doesn't hear it. Imagine she can do the double assassinations. Now imagine his side of things. He can't assassinate for beans. He can maybe get one kill in, and it's loud and noisy and immediately alerts anyone nearby. Imagine that he doesn't have any range potential other than a gun, which does a lot of damage, but again, very loud and obnoxious, and it makes sure everyone nearby knows exactly where you are, and is immediately looking for you. But also imagine that he basically plays exactly as he does. You know, the ability to just handle 20 people at once, like the street thug that he is, and just roll through it. And then imagine that the mission styles were varied up such that you could do things with both. You could play as Jacob, get down into the center square, and just start fighting. 
and then switch, and the AI just kind of takes over for you, and now you're playing as, uh, oh my god, Evie. I couldn't think of her name for a second. I'm tired, like I said. Then you start playing as Evie, and now there's all these guards that are no longer in your way, and you can just kind of try and sneak up through this pathway that was previously blocked. And that's just a bare-bones idea. Like, really, really simple. If they had really taken that and ran with it, it would have been awesome. I do give them credit for the grapple mechanic, though, because it's not just a gimmick in general. Um, it does make traversal a little bit more interesting. It's not quite to the effect of, say, Spider-Man PS4 or Shadow of War, both of which had awesome traversal methods. But it still makes traversal far less of a hassle and a little bit more enjoyable. It also gives you a few more options, though. The two big ones being, well, first of all, you have an escape mechanic, which I actually just referenced. The fact that you can just Batman your way out of combat is something that in previous games and in future games, you'd have to like throw down a smoke bomb or something in order to be able to accomplish the same effect. And here it's far more effective just to just go and then rush and you're gone, you're out. But the other thing is uniquely suited to this game, and this is where I give them special credit, because this is London. Lots of... Tall buildings, lots of narrow chasms and, and canyons in between with the alleys and the streets, which means lots of space over the buildings, which means if you can grapple out into the top and now you can, you know, spy down or jump down directly, well, you've added a slightly new, not a huge new, but a slightly new dimension to things, haven't you? So that was awesome. Good idea. What's other? The other interesting thing to me, though, between the chocolate chip cookie and the eh, cookie is you can see in both of them the bones of the future games. Unity clearly leads into Origins, just like Syndicate clearly leads into Odyssey. Now, yeah, I know I didn't like Odyssey, but let's let's ignore my personal preference for a second, because that doesn't actually matter. In, or, uh, in Unity and Origins, most of the combat boils down to the weapon you choose, which attacks differently, has different timing, has different effects with the enemies. It literally plays in differently depending on your weapon, which is exactly the kind of combat I tend to prefer. And thus, you can kind of bypass levels or you know, HP bars or padding or whatever by virtue of doing so. And that was true in both games. They also both have kind of the same general pro focus when it comes to characters, but I don't want to get too much into the story aspect of things. Syndicate kind of bears it down a little bit more, just like Odyssey did. And has the same general loop as Odyssey, a whole bunch of relatively generic but reasonably enjoyable side quests and side missions, which you are supposed to do in order to be able to power yourself up, because Syndicate and Odyssey both leave very, Odyssey lean very heavily on stats. Now, I gave a negative to Unity for stats, and I stand by that. As I said, at least I think I said in the previous rumination, I don't think the Assassin's Creed series should have stats in this manner. I think that it's actually a detriment to the format and style of the game. However, Odyssey, at launch, because I haven't played it after launch, Odyssey had the worst stats things uh, ever. When an enemy can literally one-shot you if they're two levels above you, and when you doing a secret assassination thing with the talents to, to you know, you know the from from hidden, and you do that with talents to improve it, and you take off maybe a fifth of their health bar... That's a problem. Now, Syndicate is nowhere near as that bad. You can just straight up kill them, but there is a bit of a health padding problem, but even that is kind of, kind of fixed by virtue of having certain abilities, uh, and those abilities help to smooth it out. That's why I say Syndicate is a better Odyssey in several ways, because, um, while there is a stat problem and there is absolutely a grind problem, which we'll talk about more in just a second, there's far more ways to bypass it, whereas in Odyssey, the only real tool you had in your kit to bypass it is to go grind, 
spend money on the microtransactions or to, you know, kick them off a cliff, which is at least something you can do in Odyssey. But I mentioned the grind. I want to make this clear because over in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I didn't do, at a certain point, uh, I think it was on day three or four of a five-day run, I stopped doing the side quest stuff because it wasn't interesting. It wasn't engaging to me. And I decided to go start doing main stuff. And I fell behind the level curve hard. In this game, I was doing basically everything. Clearing districts, doing all the side quests, doing all the conquests, doing all the gang stuff, and doing the little repeatable stuff at least once, while also doing all of the, the side missions, you know, the character missions, like the Charles Dickens stuff and all that. And in doing all that, I was underleveled. That's the problem. <laughs> now, we could argue where exactly the leveling curve should be, and there's a lot of work and thought and effort and opinion that could go into where the difficulty curve versus the leveling curve versus the power progression curve should all be, because all, the, all three of those curves are connected to each other, and all three of them very substantially. But the moment you decided to be an RPG Assassin's Creed, you opened yourself up to being an RPG, and I have studied RPG, all three of these curves in RPGs for some time. And in my opinion, if you're doing everything, you should be ahead of the curve. You should be overpowered because you're doing everything. Maybe not just crushing everything like a bug, but you should noticeably be above, ahead of the curve, right? For me to be behind the curve in that status says a lot about the grindy nature of this game. If I hadn't been doing the side stuff, I'm not sure I want to think about exactly how much worse this would be, especially since those abilities I just mentioned, which allow you to bypass the HP sponginess of most of the enemies, those abilities require levels, which... One other caveat that makes it even worse in this case, I don't remember if this is an Odyssey, so please forgive me, but I know this is in Syndicate. You have to be a certain level to be able to equip gear. I think that was a mistake, if I might be so bold. Now, I get why they did it. It was to basically mandate that you level, to mandate grind, which makes my point for me, really. Because otherwise, what I could have done is I could have done specific missions and things like the the, uh, the carriage uh, or the heists or the, the taking the trains or whatever and gotten a bunch of money invested in the gang so I'm making more money on the train. Cool thing, by the way. And get the money flow going so I could get the best gear so that even though I'm lower level, my gear could help bypass that. I might not have all the skills from that, that are direct consequence of the levels, but I at least have the gear to keep up. But they disallow that. All of the gear has level requirements. Some of it has uh, specific item requirements, like going out and getting chests. That doesn't bother me. But the fact that they have level requirements means you have to grind because in order not just to get the skills to bypass thing, but to get the gear in order to keep up. Forgive me for going off on this topic for quite a bit, but I think it's the biggest flaw of this game by far, which is worth talking about because I actually really like this game. <laughs> I return to my earlier question. What are your strong memories of this one? The early part of this game just sang for me. Now, I had to divorce myself from that a bit. Remember what I talked about going straight from one game to the next? I had to divorce myself from that a bit before I actually gave that a positive. But even after taking some time and looking at the rest of the game, the intro of the game is actually quite well designed, and the, the intro structure of that is, is good stuff. The outro is actually pretty good, too. Like I mentioned, that final mission where he plays both of them, that's actually pretty good. Probably the best mission of the game. But I mention all this, not counting the Jack the Ripper stuff, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I mention all this because the game... The game starts strong and ends strong and has a really bleh middle part. 
There's actually another game I've covered relatively recently that has the same problem. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. A game that doesn't exactly have a good reputation, but upon going through it with review and analysis mode on, I realized that the intro to the game is pretty good and the outro to the game is excellent, and then the middle is just boring. And that does kind of describe Syndicate. I mentioned that I was doing all the side stuff. At a certain point, I actually stopped doing all the side stuff because it was just getting kind of old. It was a chocolate chip cookie. Now, I enjoy a chocolate chip cookie. It was an enjoyable chocolate chip cookie. I loved the combat. I really do actually enjoy the combat of this game quite a lot. It's probably my second favorite combat in the franchise. Um, behind Origins, if you're wondering. There was a lot of just fluidity to it. I don't know how to, better to describe it. Of just, okay, dodge, grab, hit this guy, knock this guy to this, hit him to low health, <clears throat> need to take a drink. What you do in the middle of combat, very important. Stay hydrated while fighting all the thugs of the blighters. And then do the multi-kill thing to get rid of these three people and stagger it so that this person's low on health and this person's low on health. So when you get this guy, you actually get invuln frames while you're going after this guy. And it, it, there's just a tactic to it. The whole thing felt very tactical and I felt engaged pretty much the entire time I was playing through the combat. And I never got bored of it, which is impressive too. Most of the other things didn't quite work quite as well. Um... And, you know, I mentioned the stat problem, but there's also some of the missions are just kind of uh, like they're, the, the tailing missions are ugh. And this game also had a pretty bad scripting problem. If you don't know what I mean, the scripting problem is where you have to do the mission in the exact right way that it was told to be due, even when it would make sense for you to be able to do it some other way. Also known as the Grand Theft Auto 4 problem. The game crashed a lot, like a lot. Uh, not nearly as bad as, say, Horizon Zero Dawn was doing on the PC, but uh, this is, I think, the third crashiest game I've ever reviewed. Not a good sign. The entirety of the India DLC, forgive me for not remembering the name right now, was laugh, just, oh, 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 oh. no thank you. A lot of binary difficulty, a lot of jank, a lot of blah. Some of the missions really just kill 20 guys, and it's like, okay. And the music was neat, but also really inconsistent in how it was presented. Oh, and while I'm on the subject of complaints, there's several long sections where people would just repeat the same lines over and over and over with, like, maybe a second pause in between saying them, which was just, it got on my nerves. There's also a lot of cutscene and combat. You notice I haven't talked about the narrative at all. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of segue into that in just a moment here, but there's a lot of cutscene and confidence in this one, even for an Assassin's Creed series, which tends to lean on cutscene and confidence quite a bit. But the thing I wanted to mention before, I, as part of my segue, is the Jack the Ripper DLC. The Jack the Ripper DLC immediately st uh, starts strong by having us play as Jack the Ripper with the kind of crazy, <laughs> as far as our um, our interface, our HUD, our quest objectives. That was awesome. His fighting style is fantastic. He's the monster, by the way. Jacob's the... Uh, uh, Arno was the serial killer. Jacob is the street thug. Evie is the fear monger slash the scarecrow slash the Batman. Whichever one you prefer there. But Jack the Ripper is the monster. He's just... They, they do some great stuff with him. And the fear mechanic was a good addition to the game. It's also kind of cool the way they allow the me police mechanic to be a thing with Evie and actually be relevant to the point where you're actually not supposed to kill the cops, which is funny, because you might think, oh, Laura, you always like to kill cops. 
I actually was trying not to kill cops in this one. I failed several times because they kept trying to kill me, but I was still going out of my way to avoid killing them. Having to actually do so is a nice little thing, and baking it in is a good idea. But the reason I'm using this as my segue is because the Jack the Ripper DLC managed something the rest of the game didn't. It had a consistent tone. Chunk, switching over to the narrative side here, switching to the narrative axis. The base game started off silly, lighthearted, and funny. And I was with that. Then it tried to be serious, and it failed. And it still just became kind of face-palming. And that's kind of where it fell flat for me. So, the narrative of the main game, while it had some good stuff, uh, and I'll talk about that in a moment, just kind of didn't seem to know which lane to pick. By contrast, the Jack the Ripper DLC knew exactly which lane it was in, and that lane was... You can quote me on that. The fear, the, the gloom of it, the oppression of being under a rogue assassin was awesome. And if I might be so bold... This is what Rogue should have been. Assassin's Creed Rogue? With the ship, with the Jackdaw, not the Jackdaw, the, uh, I don't remember the name of it. The, you know what it is. Shay's ship. That game should have played like this. With Shay being this monster, I mean, this is actually legitimately how I picture Shay, as being the monster. The, the, the hunter is, as his actual title, but you know, this is how he probably should have been, narratively speaking. Hunting down and terrifying the assassins and the, and their allies in order to dissect and rip apart the Brotherhood. Effectively ending the last era of Brotherhood prominence in the history of the entire setting. Instead, he was just kind of Edward 2.0, which, eh, similar problem to Syndicate, actually. I've heard a lot of people ask me to comment on the brothers, or the brothers, wow, the, the, the siblings, brother Jacob and sister Evie. And the first thing and the most obvious thing I want to comment on, because people kept questioning me about this, is they're clearly one character. They are designed and intended to be one person. You, you should, and I think it is mandatory to look at them as one character. Maybe that's a bit of a flaw. But the scenes which they, have, which they have together and the dynamic between the two in the first half of the game is some of the better parts of it. I will notice that they got a little Hollywood on us because they do that third act, oh gosh, we're totally upset at each other thing for no reason. Yes, I know that originally there was supposed to be a big story arc thing about him screwing things up and her cleaning up his messes and there was, that was going to be more tightly woven into things and it wasn't because this was still when they were making games once per year and that was still a mistake. But... I, I still feel it was completely unearned. It's even stupider because the very, very next mission is, and we're back together again. You think we could, I know this is supposed to be it, but you think we could be, you know, a team once more? And it's like, and that's one of the reasons why those five-minute retirement things are so irritating. But other than those complaints, the two worked well off of each other. And to tie back into Jack the Ripper DLC, you can really feel the connection between the two in the 20 years that have happened hence, by virtue of simply how devoted she is to finding him, and, well, how the fact that he knew that she was the only one he could trust, and you, you get it, it's there. The animation was good as usual. The city is, is neat. It's very well designed in an almost clinical way. It doesn't have the personality that Paris had. The city was the best part of Assassin's Creed Unity, and I stand by that. But part of that was... What they did with, for lack of a better term, events. 
people crowded around yelling or burning flags or, or waving the effigies around or trying to uh, preach about you know the the nobility or trying to storm a particular food stall or whatever these are these these events this this set dressing of the npcs was a lot of what made paris so unique and so awesome in unity that's absent in London. Instead, London is simply London. It's good, it's well-designed, and it absolutely gets credit for that. But it doesn't have the same oomph to it. And so it's more clinical, like I said. It also... Uh, I did like the World War One stuff. That was neat. The voice acting is cool. And I will admit, Staric actually grew on me a little bit, the, the main villain of the film. Originally, he was just Mr. Generic alongside Mrs. Generic. Real quick, can you even name the villainess's name? Could, could you come up with her name off the top of your head without looking it up? I couldn't. I actually deliberately didn't write it down just to test myself on that. And lo and behold, I can't remember her name. But Steric was semi-interesting because he struck me as an attempt to make a Haytham 2.0. Someone who was a legitimate believer in the Templar cause, who cared about people in the, that uniquely Templar way of, I know what's best for you and therefore I'm going to tell you what to do. And I accept ends justify the means because that's simply the, the realities of life, cynicism, etc., etc. Now, <laughs> I also kind of liked the, the tidbits where he legitimately did care, but was also a hypocrite. And just, there was a, a degree of depth to him is what I'm trying to say. He was a two-dimensional character, and I liked that. What I wanted to like more was Roth. Now, Roth was salvaged almost entirely by his voice actor. Not an uncommon trait when it comes to video games. But I mention that because, I, and I talked about this during stream, I have so little to say about him. He is what Jacob would become if Jacob lost his morals. That's that's it. He is a straight-up anarchist in probably the most traditional way that you could call that. He did things because. And the end. It is probably a good part of whatever character arc Jacob might have had, but Jacob didn't have a character arc, at least didn't on camera. And that's why I just stared at it like, okay, and? And that's ultimately my final comment on this uh, game. To compare this to something else that I've covered extensively, it reminds me a little bit of Star Trek Voyager. Not in an insulting way, but at the same time, in a very insulting way. Because on the one hand, I enjoyed it. I liked Voyager, and I liked Syndicate. I had a lot of fun playing it. And... A lot of that sits on the gameplay axis. You know, we had the uh, the Hitman assassination missions, which were awesome. A, a continuation of the idea from Unity, but improved. Um, we have the, the dual mission things I already mentioned. We've got the investigation missions, which are back and are pretty cool. The map was actually, oh my god, it's actually a decent map for once. And clearly designed to be used with a mouse and keyboard, which is also nice and kind of rare for the AC series. Very smooth parkour. I love how easy and effortless it is to go into Eagle Vision and tag things. It was like painting. You just paint the targets, and then you're done. You know what you're doing. And there's even upgrades to make that even more useful. I was with all of that. I'm enjoying all of that. But ultimately, it is a great premise and has great potential that it doesn't actually live up to. And that's why it's Voyager for me. I am, as always, looking forward to your thoughts. I'll see you next time.